Yep, we sure did. Which is very fitting for the ADHD podcast. Yeah, like in the middle of the of the podcast, I was like, wait a second, we never even like introduced what we're talking about, and so I was just about to say that. But if you are all over the place, I mean, that's pretty fitting. This is episode 38 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. 38? I'm blind, and I'm hosting this. 38! The number's getting bigger, and it ain't getting smaller. I'm blind, and I'm hosting. You just heard Jess's voice. Hi, Jess. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Hello. I'm a little yes. sleepy. This episode is airing live October 9th, 2022. And uh, we actually have a guest host on for this episode uh, who hosts his own podcast and is a, a lovely uh, friend from across the pond from me. How you doing, Fahaloin? Hello, hello. I'm doing well, thank you. I've had a great day today. So, um, some people listening to this show may have heard your voice before. Um, yeah. Some of us have guessed it on your show. Um, yeah. So, I, I'm just kind of curious. Could could you like tell the audience a little bit about who you are and the show that you run? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so, I'm following or Fa, as uh, a lot of people call me. Actually, I'm Faluin, but FD Squares in your team. When I when I found Twitch, she started to to call me Floyn, and then that's <laughs> that's my name <laughs> from now on on Twitch, <laughs> from then on. But yeah, I, I, I stream a variety of games on, on Twitch, and I, I lean towards survival games and strategic games. And I also, as you said, uh, I have a podcast called ActiveCast, where I interview people, and both of you have been on there, actually. And yep. uh, I, I interview people about uh, movement and exercise and training for uh, specifically for for gamers and and streamers and people who sit still a lot. So it's basically most people, but it's a lot about uh, inspiring people to to move more and and uh, to get more healthy because it's physical health is very much connected to the mental health, and we know that the mental health they, that's it's a it's a thing that is getting worse in our society. So yeah. It, it- for for me, it's it's hard it's hard to tell if it's something that's getting worse or if it's something that we're just becoming more aware of. And the last two years have just been particularly bad. Mm. Uh, you can see it in the statistics; it's it's getting worse. It's both in U.S. and and in Europe. It's uh, the the numbers are not awesome, <laughs> but there's also more awareness, of course. But yeah, I'm very happy to have you on this show. Finally, this is something that we've like been been tossing around a, l- a little bit, and like you know, we, we were kind of talking about your show uh, a, a little bit be- before the uh, official recording of this podcast <laughs> I guess, started when we were kind of in the preamble, which we which we like to do. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, actually being on your show was was a whole lot of fun, quite frankly. Agreed. Um, at yeah. least for the episode that I was on, I got the opportunity to talk about like some stuff that I used to do in sports that doesn't really come up on other shows very often due to, you know. You surprised me. You work in games, <laughs> not sports. Yeah. It was awesome to have both of you because I get to know the people kind of, I mean, we have our like paths have crossed before, uh, like for a, for a couple of years now. But so it was nice to sit down with you and, and, uh, and talk to you and uh, listen to your stories because... And there's stuff coming up that's not like that we don't usually talk to about. And I know you blind you, you, uh, you really surprised me with your, with your history in, in uh, sports. But like, um, kind of, uh, uh, elaborating on that brief point that you touched on, um, about how, uh, uh, exercising releases good chemicals in your brain. We kind of have this little, uh, study that I'm staring at in front of us that, that you linked <laughs> earlier. Do you, do you want to yeah. elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, well, I can do that. I, I mean, it's a uh, they call today they call exercise the the 
or they call it the exercise pill. So it's like it's um, it's been like ten years or so, 10, 15 years. They started to like connect physical health with mental health, and it's today a lot of physicians they like give exercise as a um, as a like like a pill <laughs> instead of taking meds, you go out and run. Um, and there have been a lot of studies showing that it's very good for your for for your brain, uh, like your brain health. So it's it's not if you want to like get better memory or if you want to protect your brain against brain damage or if you want to protect your your brain against stress and anxiety and uh, and depression and so on. It's it's exercise that is the thing to do because uh, of different reasons, but it also to better your memories and stuff and. Before we thought that like you can do crosswords and Sudoku and stuff like that, but it's it's not really good for the brain. It's or well, it's good for the brain, but it doesn't do much of a difference. But you can see that in in exercise, if you do exercise, if you do cardio uh, regularly, you you will have a way healthier brain. And we also seen it in in like p- people who are like going into dementia or Parkinson and stuff like that. You can see that it doesn't it doesn't stop the progression in the in the uh, the illness, but it, it it takes longer and it's it's it, it smooths out the the way towards the illness, which is a fantastic thing, <laughs> to be honest. And there's no meds who can which can do that. And also meds for anxiety and depression, they it doesn't really work uh, as the the exercise does. But if you are in a depression or if you have a lot of anxiety, you should take the medicines because that's where they are good. But to protect yourself against it, if or if to take you out of it, um, exercise is the thing to do, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I've I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, just myself. I've also heard that it's um, exercise is really, 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 really important. To, like for people with ADHD, actually, it it can help, especially with like increasing dopamine levels and mm. focus. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a stimulant hmm. but it's not i mean it is but it's not yeah i mean it is because it's actually what you're doing you're when you do exercise you you get a about 20 percent more um blood to your brain which means that you have a better or your brain have a better capacity to to form new neurons and and brain cells which means that you will have a stronger brain and you your memory will get better and so on which means that you will have a better focus and also it not to go into like the, the neurobiology of this but but there's a protein that gets um produced when you do exercise which uh, is shown to protect your brain very very much and also to help you focus and it it so it, it does help a lot with adhd and and uh, yeah probably with focus yeah i've been I've been trying to take exercise breaks. It's hard to keep up with it, but like when I find myself unable to focus, like mm. exercise break. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what you should do. And it's it's I mean if you if you sit down and work, even if you just stand up and walk around your table for 1 minute or whatever, that's that's the like makes the world for the brain. So and even the like the whatever you do, go out in the evening and walk around your house. That's I mean that's the best thing you can do if you want to maximize it. It's it's said that you should do forty-five minutes of cardio exercise three times a week, and it's it's sometimes it's hard for people to get forty-five minutes in three times a week, but it's that's the optimal thing, kind of. Yeah, yeah. 
So this past weekend, actually, Salentry and I adopted a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she is puppy. Okay, like <laughs> lots and lots of energy. Yeah. And so we've been also, okay, so it's like it was the perfect timing because not only did we get a puppy, but the weather has decided that it's now autumn and not summer anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like between that, like the weather suddenly being very nice to walk in and stuff, plus yeah. a puppy, like we've... I would say like probably tripled or um, yeah, maybe tripled the amount of time you've been spending outside this past mm. week. And like, I have noticed a difference. Yeah. I mean, animals, like if you go out with your cat or you're, you're walking your dog inside, it's, it's perfect because that it forces you out. Um, yeah. So. I mean, we had our, other, we have our other dog, but he's, uh, he's pretty chill, you know, like he's an older man now. And mm-hmm. so he's, he's happy to sleep all day and like go outside, <laughs> maybe like every now and then and, and like go for one longer walk. But now that we have the puppy, we're like, oh gosh, we have to take her out like 10 <laughs> times time. a day. And yeah. yeah, we've been walking for like an hour and a half, two hours a day this last yeah. week. That's good. Yeah. It's really good. So it's, so uh, basically adopt a puppy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> get a puppy. Don't do that unless you're prepared. That's a <laughs> lot of work. Did you ever get a name? Um, maybe. Mm. <laughs> It'll be puppy forever. Yeah, we, we have like, we've... We came up with a name, but we haven't we haven't um, announced it entirely okay. yet. <laughs> <laughs> it can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then then there's me over here where I just I I just walk to and from my grocery store and I do my little exercises at home <laughs> because like you know uh, not owning a car and mm-hmm. having to get anything requires walking. Um, mm-hmm. So. That kind of forces me to probably walk maybe a bit more than the average person, um, especially on my days off. On my stream days, when like when I'm working, it's literally like uh, like 13 to 15 hour work days. Like I just sit, I'm at my computer, either sitting or standing from like 9 a.m. until like 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't generally move too much on my work days. But when I'm not working, I just kind of like come out of a comatose and then I just go for walks constantly. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what I mean. What I like it's, it's sometimes it's hard for people to get to get out, and you sit by your computer eight hours or whatever, how long you uh, you work. But it, it's important to take those breaks. And if you go to gamers and streamers, I like, I think I think streamers could be a little bit better to take to take those shorter breaks. It's, it's enough with one to two minutes, and it's the same thing when you're working. It's like if you're working that amount of hours, you should absolutely take a small break every hour just like walk to the kitchen and back again or whatever uh, it, it makes a massive difference uh, compared to if you just stand still um, yep. uh, yeah not much distance to my kitchen but <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's like five steps yeah but... so make it make it ten times <laughs> let's do some like circles yeah exactly but it's yeah. But as I said, it, anything is is very good. Like the like, just take some steps around. Like go away five steps from your your chair and back again. That's better than nothing. And uh, I mean, walking a lot during a week is very good to get the the best effect. You need to do. You need to raise your your pulse for forty five minutes. You basically need to run or bike or rowing machine or crossfit or whatever something that raises your pulse a lot that's that's what really makes a huge difference but whatever you do like the, the smallest thing is better than nothing like hiking up a mountain 
like hiking up a mountain. That is, that is really good. Yeah, Ooh, I did, I did I like overnight backpacking. Or, yeah, one night backpack, not last weekend, but the weekend before. And um, the first day was, like, super, super easy. It was, like, a, it was like seven kilometers from the parking lot to the camp, and it's, like, almost no eleva- elevation gain. Like, a slight elevation gain, but it was fine. Set up camp, ate pierogi. It was good. Um, we, we made corned beef pierogi and, uh, I brought sauerkraut that I made and then we, we camped overnight and it was great. And then we did the, I, I think it was 28 kilometers total with like 1400 meter elevation gain. Oh, wow. Um, yes. the, on day <laughs> Hold two, on, it, let like, me convert that real fast. From, from <laughs> the, from, yeah, sorry about the, 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 uh, 28 kilometers is 17.4 miles. And from from base camp to the top of the mountain, back down to base camp, took us 11 hours, and then we had to pack up wow. and then get to the parking lot by yeah. 11 o'clock at night. So we got back down to camp at like 8 p.m., and we're like, all right, we got six kilometers left. Go. <laughs> Hiking is good. <laughs> we, we got back to the parking lot. It was like 30 minutes before they closed the gate. Oh, wow. Because yeah. they, the, they locked the park gate at 11. That's a proper adventure. Mm-hmm. Man, we should have a, a house here frequency camping adventure, but I think that just might be the two of us. <laughs> what? You, you, I, I mean, I don't know. Bloody Drongo seems like the kind of guy we could make go camping. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, everybody else seems kind of yeah. like the glamping style of camping people. I think Drongo have done that, actually. Glamping is fun, too. There's glamping a time and a place fun. for both. There's nothing wrong with bringing a tent and a camper and, like, a 48 pack of beer like yeah that's nice especially when you go climbing or something then you're like <laughs> it's super nice <laughs> Some, something i'm actually kind of looking forward to is i'm looking forward to my little sister and my uh brother-in-law moving back from quebec because uh he's almost a trained uh well al- almost a certified uh climbing instructor and hiking enthusiast so i'm gonna have another person to go hiking with oh that's nice that sounds super awesome. I join in on your camping as a as a a guest, and uh, we can go climb. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of places in British Columbia to go camping. I'm kind of spoiled. Yeah, it looks kind of nice when you're out. There's sure. um, there was a book that was released in the '70s called "The 101 Hikes in BC," um, which is. It's essentially just like a list of all of the trails that are now well known. Um, but that was some of the best PR for British Columbian tourism. Cause like I, when I went up to golden ears, uh, the past weekend, uh, like half of, half of the people I saw on the trail weren't from BC and they were from Europe. Hmm. So I can like, imagine. I mean, Canada is like, at least me and a lot of know a lot of others. I mean, for Europeans, the Canada is like that the beautiful place to go. <laughs> there was a British group. There was two Swedish groups. There was a group from Norway. Uh, there was a group from Russia. There was a like, yeah, no, no, there, there was a lot of different people from all over. Yeah, the place. I can imagine. Bunch yeah, that sounds groups. awesome. I will uh, meet you in Canada and go hiking. Okay. Okay. We we should do we should not do golden ears though because realistically as much as like those photos looked great that hike sucks. <laughs> Is it like, just really hard the, or the, just it's populated. just a slog. It's like the the it, it's a beautiful view at the end. The top is lovely, but like 
it's 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 not a one night trip. It's a two night trip. Realistic yeah. to do it comfortably. It's a two night trip <laughs> because the eleven it's it's eleven hours up and up and down from base camp, right? And it's just it's all up and it doesn't stop going up. And then by the end of it, it's it's more than up. It's like oh, was I supposed to bring like rock climbing gear? Why <laughs> why is there ropes here? Uh, I have to climb what? Like scramble. <laughs> what the hike is by the end of it. The last the, like 500 meters is like vertical, basically. Oh, so it's like part. playing Firewatch. There, there's <laughs> there's a sign that says "Hold left, hold the trees." <laughs> Sounds like Firewatch. It's like we have a we have a very famous uh, ski um, ski race here in Sweden. Uh, it's called Vasaloppet. Uh, it's it's 90 kilometers. I'm sorry, Jess. I, it's like you get okay, hold on. Convert. That's a distance. So it's a 90 kilometer long. So it's a, it's a ski race. 56 miles. Yeah. But it's also, and they <laughs> have, they also do that in the summer as a running race, so ultra marathon. Um, and as, and I was, I was going there and some, I asked some friends that had run it, like, like, was it, was it nice? Should I do it? And they were like, no, because it okay. is 90 kilometers of gravel roads. I was like, okay, fuck that. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm yeah, not no, doing it, that. <laughs> never. Never hike up ski. So uh, the the hike that I do the most, which I'm actually going to do tomorrow, um, is Mount Seymour. Um, but we're we're going to be starting from like the, the 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 not not at the ski hill parking lot, but at the base of the mountain parking lot. So mm-hmm. we're going to add an extra like 11 kilometers to the hike. Um, but it's it's not particularly hard. But the the there's a. The, the the pop the one that we generally do is we start at the parking lot for the ski hill and then we walk up to the top of the mountain which is like it's like seven kilometers it's not that far and there's not that much elevation gain and most of it you're out in backcountry so like the trails are almost optional it's it's kind of lovely um, but you can walk up the ski hill in the summer and I see so many people doing it yeah. and instead we take the intentionally like I don't know forty minute longer trail that snakes up the side of the ski hill because it's an actual trail instead of just like walking up this big gravel road infested yeah. with deer flies it's like <laughs> why would you do that to yourself That's... direct sunlight on a hill the air is thinner there's bugs everywhere it's like Horrible. everything about it just sucks it's like yeah. why would you do that i, I can mean, understand riding bikes down it but yeah also I, I, we had we use them for for like training for if we were going down to the alps or something to run like in run in the mountains we use those mm-hmm. ski hills because we don't have mountains where i live so we use the ski hills to just like run up and down it's so like we take five hours and run up and down the, the hill 10 times <laughs> it's like super boring but it's just like i would never like hike or something on those it's ugh. Mm. <laughs> yeah also jess if you if you want to do a hike in bc garibaldi is the one you want to do because it's like the <laughs> incline is all switchbacks at the beginning it's very 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 well groomed and maintained it's not gravel and once you get past the switchbacks then it's like a four-hour walk in flat beautiful plains and then a scramble up a steep slope and then you're done that sounds really nice. What what was it called again? Garibaldi. It's okay. Possibly the most famous hike in BC. The problem with it is it's uh, very hard to get a camping spot because you have to book it like three weeks in advance. And they fill up like immediately. Like they open up the booking window and then bang, everything's booked. <laughs> it's like, oh Yeah, God. that's how it is here too. Like for a lot of our campsites, normally they're booked like a year out. 
Wow. Yeah, no, this state, they won't let you book it a year out. You, you have to, like, the, when I was trying to book it during um, the pandemic, and I wasn't able to, so we ended up doing it in a day trip. Um, it's a bit long, but you can do it. Um, it's, like, I think 26 kilometers round trip, but, like, it's it's not that bad. Um, but uh, it's, um, we, we you were allowed to book the campsite the week in, a week in advance back then. <laughs> so it was, like, you have a week. 5 a.m. The website crashes. Website comes back up. All the campsites are gone. Great. <laughs> that is what when I hear that, I'm, I'm so glad we have these old man's rights and I can just camp wherever I want. That, that that's what I that's why I like um, uh, provincial property instead of park property. Like here's the thing, right? You could for mm. for Garibaldi take your backpack, walk past the end of the trail, keep walking into provincial property for another four or five kilometers, and camp back there. Oh yeah, okay. But yeah. It, it's much nicer to stay in like the groomed campsites with like the uh, bear boxes, so you don't need to hang your stuff. You can just yeah, lock it fair. with a padlock and stuff. Yeah, that's fair, for sure. There's some benefits. I to that. I assume this trail is related to Mount Garibaldi, and it looks really pretty. Um, I'm going. This is this plays really well on an audio podcast, but I'm going to screenshot the background of my computer <laughs> right now. Um, that's the view from the peak of Black Tusk which is right across from Garibaldi. So, yeah, Garibaldi's wonderful. Wonderful. This is where, where both me and Jess was like, wow, it's beautiful. Our listeners like, what are they looking yep. at? Wow. <laughs> really you can wow. climb that, by the way, for those of you who like climbing. Just Google Black Tusk. It, it's an old volcano that's been dormant for a bajillion years. <laughs> And people climb the back of it if they're crazy. So you see people sprinting up the mountain with their climbing gear, and I'm just walking with a backpack going, what's wrong with you crazy people? Anyway, I think that we should uh, take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing this week and some demos. Okay. Back right after this. Hi, this is the Holsen Frequency Podcast, and I am Belanar. You couldn't hear me in this episode, but stick around for the future episodes for some soothing rolling Rs. Meanwhile, hop over to the twitch.tv slash Belenar for some building management and strategy games, plus all kinds of variety. Come say hi, and let's go on with the show. And we're back with episode 38 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. I'm still blind, and I'm uh, joined by Jess and Fahloin. And uh, we, we've got some games that we're, we're going to be talking about that we've been playing this week. And uh, I think Jess wants to tell us all a little bit about Keeping Domes. Yeah, I've played um, a lot of Dome Keeper, which I actually played in the last Steam Next Fest as a demo, and I loved it. And so it came out, geez, recently, hold on, scrolls, uh, September 27th. It came out into full release with most of its content and... It's just been like really wonderful. I have some like qualms with it, but it's pleasantly surprising like how much I've enjoyed it. So, Domekeeper, and you're going to you're going to hate this blind, but it calls itself a roguelike survival it's not... mining game. <laughs> it's a lovely little tower defense, but it ain't no roguelike. <clears throat> yeah. It's so it's a survival mining game with wave defense elements or tower defense elements, whatever you want to call it. Um you basically are this little dude, I, I think it looks like a butterfly, like your main character, but you are looking for a relic, at least in the the main mode. 
there's a prestige mode, which I still haven't unlocked, so I don't know what you do in it. But to find this relic, you have to dig. And you have to collect resources, and there's three different types. And you bring those resources back to your dome and use them to purchase upgrades. So you can upgrade your character, you can upgrade your dome, you can upgrade your gadgets, and through all that, you have to manage, like, there's two different phases. You have to stop the native monsters, which I, I think are attacking you because you've just sort of invaded their home. <laughs> you just kind of crash land and like, I'm just going to dig a hole on your planet now. Um, so you have you have phases where you fend them off and then you go and you dig. And so it's just really fun. I, for one, love games where you dig. I don't know why. I just like digging. I can I can dig me some holes all day. <laughs> Did you ever play um, SteamWorld Dig? No, but my chat told me Gosh, over and over and over and over again that I would love it. <laughs> so I, I played a, a Dome Romantique, which was the I, like. I think yeah, it's the same game. Yeah, it, it's well, it was like it was the their, game I think, original version yeah. of this game because like it was originally a game like a seven day game jam or something. I might have even even been a Ludum Dare. I actually can't remember why, but it, it was a free game on itch originally. Um, I never did get around to playing this. And the one thing that I really have to say about this, just looking at screenshots and having watching, I've watched some of your streams and some of some some of FG's streams as well, um, or rather maybe some of Curious. Stream. I can't remember who I watched, but I've watched a few people stream this, and um, I guess the backgrounds remind me of Risk of Rain One in a really good way. Yeah, I think the art is amazing. I like the backgrounds. Big fan. What one one problem that. Um, was brought to my attention is so you kind of have like random color palettes that you'll spawn in with so like sometimes your materials are one color and your dome and your character take on like this a certain color palette and then another time you'll have like an orangish palette or like a green or a yellow palette and it's like not necessarily colorblind friendly like I had some people in chat telling me that like yeah this color palette I can't see the resources and so that's not that's not great but I I just I really liked it. I said I have some qualms with it. Mainly that either I'm really bad at it or I don't feel like their economy is well balanced because I really 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 want to upgrade all my stuff. Like they give you so many different upgrade trees because you have your primary gadget. So your dome comes with a primary gadget. It can either be a shield dome, it can be a sword dome or an Wait, hold on. No. You can have a laser dome or a sword dome. But then you can have a dome that's an orchard dome, a repellent dome, or a shield dome. And so you can pair, like, your laser or your sword with, like, different primary mechanisms of defense. And then your character can be upgraded, and then you also can uncover more gadgets as you dig and search for the relic. That the, the end game is to just find the relic and bring it to your dome, and I guess you escape with it. Um, it's just really difficult to get enough resources to be able to, I think, properly upgrade your characters, especially if you don't get the right combination of gadgets. And so I feel like there's something that could be done with economy to make the game just feel a little bit more... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say fun, but like... I'm one of those players, like, I like manageable. feeling OP. Yeah, maybe manageable. Yeah, it's like, so, like, 
when I play Slay the Spire, for instance, you know how when you like get a great deck, it feels awesome. Like you, yeah. you feel you feel amazing, and then, then this game, I feel like maybe it's a design choice. It just inhibits you from hitting that point sometimes because everything is just gated behind having too many resources, and so I find that aspect frustrating. Because I feel like I'm just getting going, but then the waves get too hard and my dome falls. And I'm like, now I have to start again. <laughs> so maybe it's a me thing, but I don't know. I don't want to have to play on easy mode to feel <laughs> like I'm awesome, but... <laughs> I heard others say it's very hard. I also just watched it. I haven't tried it, but it's... it's it, it is hard. hard. Yeah. But it's, it's really fun. I... I, I, I like it so much because you dig and the, the digging phase is super chill. Like the music, the music is really nice. And the composer for the music, um, Cameron Paxton music is really active in the, in the community and like comes and hangs out in streams and stuff. And it's just, it's a chill game. And then like, and then there's the wave defense move, which is not chill, but yeah, it's a good game. I recommend it. I, I, so I'm kind of thinking about what 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 what, you, what you're saying in regards to difficulty, and I think that this is kind of a disconnect um, that I think some developers have hit. Where proper roguelikes are traditionally extremely difficult, but they're not difficult in the way that run-based games are classified as difficult, right? Like, I I can sit down and say uh, that game that I've been playing a bit, Zorbis, is difficult. This is a traditional roguelike. But it's not difficult because the game is hard. The game is hard, but it's difficult because the game doesn't tell you anything. But once you understand the logic behind how the game works and understand what the game wants you to do and understand how to build, that a lot of that difficulty kind of melts away. And that's kind of the the the, the way a lot of traditional roguelikes work. Like Jupiter Hell is another example of this. If you know where the guaranteed specific drops are, suddenly it becomes and how to build towards each boss suddenly the game becomes a matter of knowledge and then just execution in each individual moment instead of wow that enemy did a lot of damage you know but a lot of run-based games that call themselves roguelikes i think a lot of their difficulty comes from speed dexterity and not not even like memorization, but just often it comes down to just feeling like luck, which is off, almost always why I avoid games like this is because I look at it and I go, okay, yeah, no, there, there definitely is a learning curve here and there, difficult, there definitely is difficulty here, but the difficulty is like if you, the difficulty is not going to be the kind of difficulty I know I'm going to enjoy. And that that's what often pushes me away from these games that assume that the title of roguelike, even though it's vastly incorrect. Um, it's, it's just odd to me that what why can't you allow the player to have that knowledge power fantasy because that's where the power fantasy comes in in traditional roguelikes it's from knowing how the game works once you understand the mechanics you get that power fantasy because you can replicate that repeatedly um by just simply playing the game according to the game's rules but a game like this if it's if it's balanced to like not let you have that that does sound really frustrating yeah, I've had a couple runs like on easy mode where you get the power the power fantasy, you know, like you get to upgrade your laser and it's like, oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> Could you obtain that power fantasy on the hard mode if you're better at it? I don't know. I haven't even made it to hard mode because I've been okay. well hey, they have normal, hard, and then like insane, I think. Or that's that's they say that's the the mode that they 
like designed the game intentionally for like that's the way the game's intended to be played and i haven't even made it there like i haven't won on intermediate i think i won once actually but like i've i was only able to do it with a certain loadout and then you get like permanent unlocks in between i'm assuming yeah so yeah. basically you start with like your you like you your see... basic dome type like the the laser dome and like your primary gadget and the shield and then as you win you unlock new things like you unlock the repellent and then you unlock the orchard and then as you play you unlock new gadgets and then you can choose sort of which ones you start with like you can choose your basic loadout but then yeah. your like secondary gadgets are a bit random i'm trying to unpack this because like the the the, the thing hmm. how, how do i how do i word this uh is it is it like a flat progression or is it like you're unlocking things that are just better than the stuff you had before. Yeah. So it's so the stuff that you're getting is just straight up better then. Yeah. So then it's Oh wait, you, you mean between time. runs? Yeah. No, no, no. No, it that they're all they are not better. I thought you meant like the upgrades in game. Okay. The upgrades in game are just objectively better, but they're just different tools that you can have. So like in one case you can get like an elevator that you can throw resources in and it will slowly bring them to your dome and then you can also get like drillbert who it's a like a little dinosaur thingy that likes to drill and will drill for you while you're fighting and then you can also get like um why can't i never remember the word for this the probe you can get a probe which like when you turn it on it will tell you where you can find resources and so they're all they all have some sort of utility and i wouldn't say that any of them is stronger than the others but knowledge is strength, and utility is strength. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, mm, it makes me feel icky because it's like, <laughs> y y you do not, like, you're not actually playing the game until you have all of the unlocks in the meta progression. Yep. Which that 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 is kind of where I was saying I, that's where I do take issue with it, especially yeah. because I feel like it can be really hard if you don't get lucky early on to get those unlocks gotcha and the difficulty scales quickly like the waves get harder and harder fast and so if you're not having successful mining adventures like in between waves then you're kind of it's a lost run so, so the, the, the unlocking of skills is, is kind of luck based on what uh, resources you find yeah all right. All right. This could be frustrating for sure. Yeah, I not I, I so I the the reason I've avoided this game is I, I actually didn't like the itch version. And it seems like all the stuff I didn't like about the itch version is still in the main game. Um which it, it's 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 it sounds like it's just not for me, but I I, I, I like it because I enjoy the digging and the randomness and like when you find stuff you're like, Oh yeah, you like I found it. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice gameplay loop. It's just I think that the economy maybe is just a little bit too too much. Like they're asking for too many resources. Gotcha. Or maybe they want it to be that way, but it would be nicer if there was like a a mode where things were a little bit cheaper so you could kind of just progress into that into that power trip a little faster. Yeah. And I, I would really like it if they would take every instance of the word rogue like and change <laughs> it to run based. Um because there's nothing roguish or likeish about this video game. Um, 
But that's been Domekeeper. Uh, following, do you want to talk to us about uh, Brewmaster? Brewmaster? Yeah, I can do that. It's kind of, when I saw that game, it was like, yeah, this fits me. Because I, I brew like kombucha and cider and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I have never done beer, so why not? So I, I try that, and it's a, it is what it is. It's it's a you are a brewmaster. You are it's a brew a beer brewing simulator. Um, you you are in a house. It's a very nice house. You have a kitchen. You have a, like a living room. You have a tasting room, and you basically brew beer. And you do it like I, I as I said, I have never done beer, but I I kind of know how to do it, and it seems like they have like got the details very good um but you can do it even if you do not know anything about brewing uh, because it it takes you through the process very very uh in a very good way and uh, they have handled that what i really liked about it was the way they handled the time aspect because you need to have like a lot of waiting times for the fermentations and stuff. And they have done that with a with a, a watch on your arm and also with a calendar. So if you want to go days, you use the calendar. If you want to speed up time, you use the, the, the clock. And um, the UI is very easy to understand and to, to, um, to use. And um, there's like a storyline in it where you can get jobs that you can do. It's like, oh, this is the, the autumn fair. We want to have a... Uh, a brown pale ale uh, beer that tastes like this. And then you have to to make a brew a beer like that. And uh, the cool thing is also what I think is that when you are then tapping the, the beer on bottles, you can make your own like labels. They have some templates, but you can also make your own and they are like infinite. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Way to do it. Yeah, because and and my chat was like, they could... They could easily just leave that part out, just like do the beer brewing stuff and then put it on a barrel and you're done. But they have put in a lot of effort into the to also make the labels and you can you can put your own name on it and it's a lot of fun actually. And I didn't I haven't come that far, but you can also earn money and buy furnitures for your kitchen and new stuff that you new brewing stuff and so you can brew more beer and you can uh, more like like experimenting with with tastes and stuff, and there's like it's it the depth in the game it seems to be very very deep. So it, if you are very into beer brewing, I think you really really like the game. And if you just like a nice simulator, you will like the game because it's very easy to understand. So I I was I was uh, very positively surprised uh, with the game. I had a lot of fun with it. There, there was a pretty amusing headline on PC Gamer a couple days ago that was just like, no matter how hard you try, and as much as you lick your screen, no, you can't drink this beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. There, it's there were some occasions where you're like, when you are done with the brewing, you get into the to the to the tasting room, and you get like you're you're putting it on the bottle, and you put the label on, and you have a glass of of your beer beside it, and it's like you have those. And the water dripping down the 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 the, the glass because the cool beer. And it's like, oh my god, I want one of those. I had to go get a beer when I played it. <laughs> I don't think I could play this without a pint. <laughs> no, you, I, I, need, I, I yeah. need beer. I had to go get one because it was like, oh my god, this is <laughs> so I this really tantalizing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's a good game. It's it, they have. I am not very like I'm not very into simulators because I get bored very easily with games. And uh, but this this kept me 
playing and I was like, I was curious. I'm still curious what I can do with a game because there, I just scratched the surface of it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, you just so. didn't find the right simulator. Or I guess you found it now. <laughs> I, I guess. If, yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. I, I I think that the the main issue that I have with simulators generally is they tend to lean a little bit too far in the lol so random you dropped a physics object and now it knocked four other things over and there's eggs on the floor (laughs) Um, that that seems to be what a lot of them seem to go in the direction of and i don't think this is doing that i no i don't think so i i didn't experience that uh, at all actually but what i did like like what i more like i think what i like with this is that they are like you should put in 150 grams of, of yeast in this one but you can easily put in too much or too little and you're, mm. it, I mean, if you put in too much, it's like okay, you, it's in there. You cannot get it out. And what you ends up, it is still, it's still a beer, but it, it's a, you, you get a, uh, it gets a different character, and it gets some tastes in there that are you, may, you might not have thought about. And it's like you, you end up with another beer, but it's still a beer, and it can still be good. Um, and based on how, like how good the beer is, the the more or less money you get from the jobs you you are supposed to get and so on. So I, I think they, they they did it. It feels like it's some beer really, really, really uh, beer enthusiastic people who also happens to be game developers because they, they have got this very good, I think. Do you, do, you, do you think that they were brewing beer while they were making this game? I do you think that they... I am absolutely sure. I think that, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and also, I, 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 this this is a fact that I need to to like keep alive, but I, I managed to do the tutorial and it's not like super easy, but it's it's kind of like straightforward, but Bloody Drongo did not. And I need to like, I need to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing shade at Drongo. Uh, I like Drongo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I, I think I need to try this. I, I, I don't know if I if I would stream it, but I, I do need to try this. This I, this game does look neat. I think you should. It, it's a good game. I mean, it's it's probably not a game that I will like keep playing. Like Slate Aspire, I have been, pl- been playing Slate Aspire since it came out, and I'm still playing Slate Aspire a lot. Uh, this will not be a game like that, but I, I I will continue playing it because I want to know more about it, and I, I'm I'm curious where I can take my beers. <laughs> to be honest. There, there is one thing that I, I'm, I'm a little curious about uh, before we move on to the next game, which is, uh, do you think that this could be used as a learning tool, or is it more of a video game? I, I actually think it could, like to some extent, be used as a learning tool because it is you follow the recipe for beer brewing pretty well, um, and it, I mean the times and stuff are maybe a little bit skewed and the like way the the weights and so on, but it's um, to get a, a hunch of what you're doing and what is needed and why you need it. You you absolutely you absolutely learn, and they also go through like if you add this, then you will end up with these kind of flavors, and if you add add this, then you will end up with these kind of flavors. But if you cook it a little bit too long, then this will happen. This this uh, like substance will form in the wort, and that will make the beer this and this. And it's like so, yeah. I think there's a learning. Uh, it's an educational uh, simulator in that way. Yeah. All right. Uh, so once again, that was Brewmaster, the brewing simulator. Um, I'm gonna hijack this podcast now, and I'm gonna talk about uh, the kind of one demo from the demos that I've really played. 
Um, because aside from that, I just I played my I played like uh, thirty six hours of Dwarf Fortress or something this week <laughs> this week and kind of nothing else. Um, so uh, actually, probably I think it's closer to forty hours of Dwarf Fortress this week. Anyway, um, so I I kind of only really played Manor Lords outside of anything else, uh, which is a game solo developed by uh, another person named Greg. As in real life, I am a Greg. Um, this is this is a game developed by a Greg, so uh, developed by good people that I can trust, um, uh, who goes by Slavic Magic, and it's published by Hooded Horse. Um, the people behind the recent, very successful early access release, Terra Invicta. Um, but um, anyway, so Manor Lords is a, a, like a 3D city builder, town builder, uh, with uh, this part is not in the demo yet, but in the future we'll have um, kind of total war, but on a small scale style combat. Now, uh, Manor Lords has been around for quite some time on Twitter, uh, posting these absolutely gorgeous screenshots on Twitter. Um, the, this game is very photogenic, I will say, um, and it, it lives up to that in-game. It is gorgeous. Everything is extraordinarily over-animated, and this is a benefit. Um, when you start a house being built, you see... Uh, the individual logs come out of the woodstock pile and you see the ox drag the logs to the location where it's going to be built and then you see them cut up the logs and then lift the planks and then like place them onto the walls and you see the houses get constructed out of all of the pieces and then pop up into the finished building. Um, really made me want to go back and play more Ostriv actually, which is uh, does similar levels of like ridiculously over animating of everything. Um, but like minus the future combat aspect um the demo itself has like kind of the basics of building your town and um lets you kind of get to the point where you're just starting to collect taxes making clothing doing some basic trading which i'm not entirely certain works in the demo um i i i do know through uh, our source at hooded horse cornmacher who was on this podcast once before that uh, the developer kind of stayed up for two days to get the demo done so it doesn't makes sense that it's stapled together um the game itself will be launching in early access and kind of not a long period of time it's like in november i think that it's coming out um currently but um it, it's it's slated for early access soon and um this kind of demo is just kind of scratching the surface of uh what the game's going to feature because um one of the other things that it shows in the demo but you can't actually interact with is um the conquest screen so when you zoom out it does this beautiful panel where you can see the entirety of the countryside and then you can see your full play area the play area in the demo isn't huge it's just one region but the map itself is made up of a whole bunch of regions and each region has different materials has different resources and you trade with the other towns the other regions in the area but um there is a kind of almost um, like stronghold style uh, move into the next region and take over a zone uh, mechanics that are going to be in the full game that I'm very excited to see. So it's just a really pretty solid small town builder in the demo. And I'm very excited to see what it actually ends up being in, in the full game. I enjoyed watching people play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. Uh <laughs> I tried I, playing it. It crashed my stream twice. <laughs> I didn't try streaming it. I, I did run into one crash in the demo. Um, it was a startup crash. It was like the second time I, I, I went back to go play some more after I recorded footage for YouTube and I started it up and it just immediately crashed out to desktop after starting it. But I didn't try streaming it, so I never ran into that issue. Um, I mean, 
it's pretty demanding. <laughs> it's kind of like what I've come to. Like it, it, it does have a very extensive options menu, um, which took me a while to find. It's actually quite well hidden, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. May, maybe worth twiddling around with that off stream and give it a shot. But it's a, uh, it's a neat demo. I, I it looks like, really cool. like I said. There, there isn't a huge amount there, but what is there is really solid and kind of takes. Maybe I would say my favorite parts of Foundation, um, in its kind of like, yeah, they just kind of build where you zone it instead of you plopping a building, so everything looks kind of a little bit unique and a little bit procedural, which I really enjoy in City Builders. And like I said, really made me just want to go play more Ostrov because that's the kind of closest thing to it. So maybe I'll do that. That's it does look really pretty. Looking forward to playing more of that. Yeah, I kind of get that when I, when I watch. People play it. I got the same feeling, like it, like you with a stronghold uh, feeling, and also the battle from Total War when you like put up the formations of your troops and stuff. I'm, when I see the, the like the videos from the game, it's like yeah, something looks cool. And I will also remind people that if you want another really good city builder, Songs of Six is really good, <laughs> but uh, not not it's pretty, but in a in a different way. It's pretty in like a. 1999 kind of way instead of a wow is that real life kind of way but uh jess do you want to tell me about uh master plan tycoon's demo yeah i can uh not exactly a city builder at all really <laughs> but it kind of no they're not they're not that similar <laughs> uh so master plan tycoon is a, I was actually sponsored to play this, so just this is <laughs> noted, but I actually really enjoyed it. It is a minimalist resource management sim, and you kind of are building a city in theory, but it's much more about your, um, uh, your, the, Okay, help me out. What's the word? Your I'm like blanking this morning on everything. Blueprints? What? No. The uh goodness gracious. Thanks, brain. I can trim <laughs> this all out, don't worry. The I'm completely blanking. I'm staring at this this steam page and I'm trying to figure out what you're referring. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. My brain's nope. My okay. brain's doing the full ADHD thing, and I cannot think of the word. Flowchart. Well, no, not flowchart, but it's fine. So you are focusing more on just making the plans for this city, and it is in a flowchart method. So if you've done like, um, if you've used like Excel maybe or Blender or DaVinci Resolve. The, the, uh, resolves fusion where you have to kind of give it logic points and like build your insert word that I can't think of. <laughs> uh, that's what you're doing. So there's like a, a master screen where you are having this whole logic system built. And then it has like smaller mission screens that you can switch to. And what's really cool is like you can send your resources in and out of these missions, mission areas. And so basically the way you do this is you build a building and then you connect 
its out node to in nodes for other buildings. And it doesn't really seem like you have to work about worry about um, like production times, really. It's mostly just like getting things from one place to another. You can just pick the, your building cards up and move them as long as your your nodes and stuff, your um, arrows don't intersect. Like you can just move things all around. And so like you can basically take like one area's output and um, send it to the out node uh, or the in node for a different region and then have the region that region's out node send it to storage. And it's just it's really cool. It's like, you ha I don't know. It was neat. It sounds I don't know fascinating. How much, I, yeah, I, I don't know how much replayability it has, but... I watched a little bit of this, and I'll be completely honest, I, I had no idea what was happening <laughs> watching it. <laughs> like, I, I, was I didn't really know what was happening like when I got into it, you know? But like once I started playing, and I was like, this is neat. Okay. Hmm. It's very well, like logic-based. Master plan tycoon? Maybe go look at it? <laughs> might help yeah i mean i'm like explaining this stuff but like it like when i was looking at the description and all the pictures and stuff i was like what is this game it looks cool <laughs> but playing and i enjoyed it a lot it it looks like really hipstery uh <laughs> project management software yeah yeah i got the feeling too when i watched it it was like this is this is what we do as product management managers in my day job. <laughs> oh my gosh, the word production chains. It's not a word, it's a phrase. You're <laughs> you're not building cities. You are setting up the production chains to theoretically build a city. There we go. Whew. Okay. I mean it's basically a flowchart, <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, it looks cool. I, I think I, I, I'm just going to recommend that people go check this one out. That's uh, that's Master Plan Tycoon, demo available on Steam as of time of recording. Um, now, this, the, the next one I'm going to call out from your list, Jess, because you've got the biggest list of demos that you played. Um, Dredge. Really yeah. curious about this one. So this one was not on my radar at all. But then FG came into my chat and was like, Dredge is really good. You should try it. And I'm... I love digging games. I really don't like fishing games or like fishing mini games. I don't know why. So like this game says like in its first description, this is a single playing single player fishing adventure. And I'm just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no thank you. Then there's me with 200 hours on fishing simulator. Um. Yeah. Well, so but FG was like, it's really, really good. It was my favorite demo out of like all the ones I played today. And I was like, okay. I trust your opinion. I'll try it. So it it actually it had a very interesting art style. Um, it kinda like in some ways reminds me of Firewatch a little bit. It's just like the second time today I mentioned Firewatch. Uh, and one other game that I can't put my finger on. Uh, but basically, like you are arriving in this town because I need a new fisher, and you crash land on the rocks for some reason, like your experience. But like you crash your ship. Why'd you do that? I don't know. So then you have to get a new ship and pay off the debt for that. And so it starts off like pretty like classic. This is why you're here. You can't leave until you pay off your debt. But very quickly spins spins off into um spins off into a mystery. So it's a single player fishing adventure, but like very quickly you realize, yeah, you're fishing and you have to 
do this job of providing fish to the town, but also like, what the heck is going on here? And so the, the demo ends like right as you start getting into it. But in my hour and a half playing it, I ran into some really weird things. Like I got attacked by an angler fish, like a massive one. And like, <laughs> I think that screenshots in there looks terrifying. Yeah, and so it wasn't really like Subnautica scary, like how Sub Subnautica, you know, you're being hunted. In this one, it's like something weird's happening here. Oh, I'm being hunted. It, but okay, sure, it, it was it was really cool. Like I would definitely go back and play more of this. It played very smoothly. Like the art is nice. The um, that's my puppy. <laughs> the <laughs> the, the more the more I look at this, the more it looks kind of Lovecraftian. Yeah, it's like it. It all actually, you know what it's reminding me of? It's reminding me of Sunless Sea. I was bit. just to say that it, it looks like Sunless Sea. It's a terrifying game. Like it, maybe like a less wordy, more fishing. Oh, well, obviously fishing focused because Sunless Sea is more like about transporting stuff from place to place and picking up stuff and blowing things up, but. <laughs> Like a fishing focused sunless sea. Although there is sun, because you're not underground. <laughs> but looks cool. I'm not sure what my dogs are barking at, but they're not stopping. That's um, okay. what I was Puppers what I was gonna to. say is the dialogue. I I enjoyed the dialogue of like that the NPCs had. The main character's dialogue is a little stunted. Like, I, I hope that they expand on that some because there are, like, you know, conversations you can have. It doesn't, I think it's all just pretty standard, but overall it has a pretty good feel. I know what you mean about the Lovecraftian thing. Like, just just from, like, the screenshots of the big fish underground, like, this this looks Lovecraftian. Hmm. Yeah, for better it was, or for worse. It was cool. I, I will definitely play this one it looks really cool. neat and it's published by team 17 i didn't even realize that like this was this was happening team 17 they publish in a lot of good stuff yeah i don't know this might trigger some like primal fears in me that i don't know if i'm willing to um re-experience but looks really cool looks neat i i downloaded the demo um so i'm gonna just keep pestering you here jess because you you do have <laughs> two left which one would you like to talk about hmm should I talk about... I don't know how much time we have. I can talk about my favorite one, or I can talk about one that I... Okay. <laughs> I think out of all the demos I tried, my favorite was actually Storyteller. And I believe I heard Kiri say that too. I'm not positive now that I said that, but that one that one is really interesting. The, the demo was incredibly short, like way shorter than I would have liked, like 20 minutes. But... It is a reactive puzzle game. And so pretty much you get a certain number of frames that you're trying to tell a story through and it gives you certain elements, like the people who are in the story and like the scenes that are taking place and like a few other things, right? Like poison or poison. Yeah, poison. It's <laughs> the only one I can think of. I had a lot of fun with poison. Um, and you put all these elements together in like an if-then kind of fashion to write a story. And it's really cool because if you make one frame 
tell a certain story, then all the other frames will react to it. And if you remove the frame, then they react to that as well. So, like, if you have two characters meet and fall in love with, in one frame, but then remove it further down the line, like, those characters won't recognize each other. And it's just, it's really cool. And I cannot wait for this one. I love puzzle games, and <laughs> if we haven't realized by now, but just the way that you can just tell a story in all these different ways, it gives you like an objective, like two people fall in love or double heartbreak or something like that. Or tell the story of Romeo and Juliet and you, they just give you the elements and you have to write it. And I had people in chat saying that they also played this demo and, you know, got the same results as I did with entirely different stories. So it seems like there's all sorts of different ways that you can go about solving the puzzles. And it was just really cool. I want more, like, soon, please. Once again, <laughs> Annapurna Interactive with games that yes. just look way better than they have any right to be. <laughs> yes. They, they've got so many coming up right now that I'm just like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Jeez. It looks simple, right? Like, it doesn't seem like it should be anywhere near as good. I think it's just the way that all the elements... Like, like I said, it's like an if-then kind of kind of thing. So, like, Absolutely. everything down the line reacts to the changes. And it's just, it's really cool and... I need to I try know. that. That looks neat. Yeah, I didn't even know about really that. interesting. And Aparna is so... They, they have given us so many good games. One of my absolute favorite games all times. Wait, which, which one is your, one of your absolute what, favorite games? What Remains of Edith Finch. It's oh, also same. Annapurna. Yeah. It's so Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Double storyteller, interesting. Yeah, noted. Uh, I mean, um, they, they've they've published multiples of my favorite games of all time. Like just running through their 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 list. I mean, What Remains of Edith Finch, Gorogoa, Gorogoa, yeah, uh, so. Donut County, Florence, um, Unfinished Swan, I Am Dead are all like, you know, probably top thirty best like favorite games I've ever played. So yeah, no, there's they've got quite the track record and yeah. looking forward to a bunch of their releases actually but oh, i guess i'll have to add this one to the list because i wasn't aware of i cannot one. wait for this one like yeah i i hope it just gets better like the demo was really enticing and my um just talking about it in chat or um a lot of people said that they really really enjoyed it and are heavily anticipating it so i think that this is a uh, going to be going to be a, a bigger one speaking of a bigger one i think it's time for us to go to news we do have a couple stories to talk about so i think we are going to jump into that now and uh when when, when we come back from this short break we're, we're gonna be talking about news okay so let's uh let's go to a quick break we'll be right back Hello everybody, I'm FG, FG Squared over on Twitch.tv. I play a wide variety of games Mondays through Fridays starting at 9am BST, which is 4am Eastern, 1am Pacific, 10am Central European Time. So come on over and check me out. See you soon! And we're back with the third and final segment of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. It's stuff in the news. Um, so this first one, I'll be honest, kind of made me go, huh. And then they're doing another one? Cool. And then I just kind of stopped thinking about it. Um, but there's a new RimWorld DLC, which everybody yes, seems to be very excited is. about. Well, there's also a new update. Yes. As well as the new 
DLC. I'm super on the fence about the biotech thing, though. It's called biotech. It doesn't start with an M. Everyone thought it was going to start with an M. It's a B. It's rib <laughs> world now. Yes, it's rib world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so why why are you torn on biotech? I'm, I'm curious to know your, your take. Well, so... So, okay, biotech. I haven't really looked at it super closely. I've just been focusing more on 1.4 stuff. But it's going to be introducing, like, a lot of what seems to be, like, glitter world tech. So, like, RimWorld, for instance, you progress through your technology and towards the end of your tree and everything, you start unlocking and having access to, like, a high, like, very sci-fi-like things. Armor weapons medicine and there's like yeah there's like glitter world which you can't make but you can buy it and so it seems like biotech is just definitely expanding on this idea so mechanoids are my least favorite thing in rimworld and now there's this whole ex like expansion on their mechanics you can make them i think or tame them it's like what the heck but actually integrated now and you you can have mechanoid pets, they can defend you, and raiders can have them as well, and there's a whole new pollution element that you have to take care of and and deal with. It, I, I don't it even know like how I feel about... I don't even know how I feel about this, because mechanoids, I, I even told my chat, like, I'll play RimWorld and turn off mechanoids. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't I do it. That. And now there's gene modding. I know, and it's also, so good. Yeah. So it's like what the hack means meets um what was that gene modding one that they had the mods I mean what the hack and I don't know and also children I'm super torn on adding children to Rimworld and so what I've seen is that Tynan and Ludian Studios have wanted to add children for a long time because families tell the best stories or like the the aspects of a family can lead to the best stories. But children in RimWorld, like, oh, it makes me feel icky. The the thing that bothers me about kids in RimWorld is about the way time works in RimWorld. Like, time's pretty slow. And I, I want kids to grow up in a believable fashion. Is it going to take 15 years for them to be, like, functional adults? Or are they just going to be, like, the Sims, where they spend a year as a baby, a year as a child, and then a year as an adult. I don't know, but apparently you have to like teach them things and give them give them lessons, and I mean, actually like, like have schools and stuff. I think, and that's cool and all, but also I'm just thinking about all the terrible things that people are gonna do. Like Dwarf Fortress to... has kids in it, right? Like the dwarves have kids. All, all the different characters in the game, and any any animal in the game, more or less, can have kids. Um, some of them are a little weird, like dragons are born full or grown, but you don't don't even worry about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, same with hydras. Hydras are born full grown as well. Um, but uh, like the the thing with Dwarf Fortress is there are certain things that you just can't do, right? You 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 can't tell the dwarves to butcher another dwarf. But what you can tell the dwarf, what the dwarves can do is a dwarf can get really, really, really pissed and then murder somebody and make something out of them, but then they usually go to prison for life. Um, so there, there is that aspect in other games like this. 
But I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I don't know the the kind of the intentional edginess of RimWorld has kind of rubbed off on me in a very negative way over the past few years. Yeah, I I I don't know. I it really really depends on how it's implemented. Like, I really hope there's boundaries about around like what can be done because I'm sure that will be modded out anyways. I I don't know. I'm just. There, there are so many things I can just think of that I, I don't want to utter here, but... <laughs> Following's just like sitting here trying not to laugh, going, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean evil. Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I, I haven't played... I have 150, 150 hours in RimWorld, and about 90% of those are naked brutality, so I, I don't really know the game the way you does. But I have like 9,000 hours watching FG play it. But, but I... What I this new DLC what what like grabs me here because I did my PhD on on evolutionary genetics so I was like oh my god this is so cool we can do genetics in here <laughs> it's like so I was like oh yeah but I ha I'm on I, I'm on your track there uh, Jess with a, with a kid so I was like like thinking about what you can do in RimWorld and all like the crazy stuff you can do there it's like oh, do I want to see that be done to children is that where we want to go <laughs> but yeah it's, and the mechanoids i'm with you with that yes i'm i'm not a fan of those uh, in real world uh, as it is so yeah maybe they'll be different like once they can be your pets you know like yeah maybe fight did, fire did, with fire but yeah did, did you know that in dwarf fortress um the dwarves can inherit the visual traits of their parents I mean, and their mannerisms cool. I like that. And you can have entire factions that look different because they have certain strong genetics. You'll join That's one neat. faction, it'll be like, everybody looks like this. And then you'll join a different fa faction and everybody looks like this. And then you get an immigrant that looks totally different and has a different hairstyle. And you're like, where'd you come from? And then it turns out they're a vampire <laughs> that infiltrated the, the faction and like has been alive for a thousand years. So this is why I like what I gave. <laughs> Dwarf Fortress is fun. Um, Speaking of things that are fun, uh, CD Projekt uh, is doing some very ambitious things. Um, so, um, hmm. co-founder of CD Projekt Red, uh, Marson, I'm not even going to try and say his last name. I Polish names. Um, found, who co-founded CD Projekt Red in 1994 um, is leaving the company, sort of. He's stepping down from being CEO. Um, and he's moving to kind of overseer of a new studio that they're opening in Boston, and they've announced a new trilogy of Witcher games, as well as some spinoffs, and a sequel to Cyberpunk, as well as a DLC for Cyberpunk. And a DLC, and wasn't there one more thing, too? Was there? Did I miss something? I said spinoffs for Witcher. Um, they have a whole new IP. Right, yes. Um, unannounced the pro IP that they, they are also working on. A whole new, an entirely new project, yes, of some sort. Thanks, PC Gamer Gosh. article. Um, <laughs> so I, hmm, I, I'm staring at this article by, by Andy Chalk on PC Gamer, uh, which of course will be linked here. And so the, 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 the kind of, the thing that they say about the, the Witcher thing is they're planning on releasing three Witcher games in six years. You know what this reminds me of? Remember when James Cameron's like, man, it would be a good idea for me to make six more Avatar movies. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what that uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe maybe they've got it all together now after after everything, you know, like Cyberpunk and it the really embarrassing launch and now they pulled it all together again and maybe they just have six years of Witcher content ready to go. I don't I highly doubt it's ready to go, <laughs> but you know what this feels like to me? This feels like man, this studio kind of completely obliterated their entire reputation with the release of Cyberpunk, right? And they've been working to like square that, right? Like to give them credit, like they've been putting effort into fixing that game. Um there's still like a lot of weirdness with the writing in it and like the story is not that good, but it it is a for for the people who like that game, it's it's an interesting world to just kind of exist in. Similar to like Skyrim, like n nobody plays the main quest in Skyrim. You, you play Skyrim to walk around in Skyrim. You don't play Skyrim to play Skyrim, right? And that very much kind of seems like what Cyberpunk is turning into. It's like a sort of a modding sandbox. It's a, it's a really big, expansive game, and they're working on it. So kind of got to give them credit where credit's due. But they completely obliterated their. Um, reputation but also made a bajillion dollars that game sold 20 million copies which is unfathomable amounts of money um and this reads to me like hey if we announce a whole bunch of stuff and be really ambitious it'll boost our stock prices and you know what it did it boosted their stock prices so i i wonder if this is gonna actually come out as quickly as they say especially with the witcher stuff um but the thing that does actually interest me though is one of the spinoffs um for the witcher that the, that is being made um is uh coming from flame in the flood developers um which i'm blanking on the name of the studio right now the molasses flood molasses flood yes that is correct flood. um so thanks Molas hero gamer article <laughs> yes um they, they they are uh one of the one of the studios that that's working on a, a spinoff which you know um to, to anybody here who's played the flame and the flood uh i did way 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 long time ago uh, it's kind of a survival um top down game where you have to get down a river on a raft and it's very very pretty and very good music and very entertaining and it's neat to see that studio making something else considering the last thing they put out was 2016 so it's been quite some time yeah, seems like there's a lot of Witcher content coming out. Yes, I need I guess to play it's a good the Witcher time game. To probably play. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say I gotta play them now I, and maybe you know, watch honestly, the show. And th this this is somebody. This comes from somebody who tried to play The Witcher, tried to play The Witcher Two, and never really got around to Witcher Three. Play Witcher Three. Just skip the yeah. first two. The first two are. That's what I've heard. Just skip skip them. Yeah, skip the first two. Please, yeah, just play Witcher Three. Yeah. I've watched most of Witcher 3 in a Let's Play. Just play Witcher 3. It's pretty standalone. Considering, like, they did try to rebrand Witcher 3 from Witcher 3 to Witcher Wild Hunt. Um, so, you know. Go yeah, you're Wild right, Hunt. they did. For for a while, I thought that it was, like, a DLC or something. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, on uh, very, very important news, um, we now know what Mario's going to sound like. Sort of. Like, um, uh, isn't it Chris Pratt? Yes. <laughs> uh, did, 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 did either of you watch this trailer? This new Mario I trailer? I did. Yeah, but I don't even know who Chris Pratt is. I just know it's Chris Pratt. Okay, this guy. Oh, you, you don't, you're oh, not aware Andy. of who Chris Pratt is? 
By it's face. Andy from um, um, b- 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 Parks and Recreation, right? He, he's I, I've never seen Parks and Rec, I, I, but I think he's in that. So yeah, that would check out. Uh, he's Star Lord. That's the easy reference. Um, so the, the, we we have a, a trailer for the new Super Mario Brothers movie, um, uh, animated by Illumination, and of course. Uh, famously voiced by Chris Pratt. Personally, I'm disappointed that Donkey Kong didn't make an appearance in this trailer because that is voiced by my favorite Seth Rogen, um, which is perfect. I'll have you know, so every, like, a lot of people got mad about a lot of the casting. That the the Donkey Kong casting is perfect. Okay, you, you can't change my mind on that. Um, but uh, I don't know. This looks lovely. The animation. Um, Mario doesn't sound anything like Mario. He just kind of sounds like Chris Pratt putting on a crappy Italian accent. Um, but, um, there is a French version of this trailer, uh, because all of Illumination's, uh, films also release in French. Um, so the, and I, I just want to say that I think French Mario sounds more like Mario than English Mario. Yeah, I think so too. I watched both. So also the, the penguins in the trailer, um, who I can never remember the name of in Mario lore, so forgive me, uh, sound hilarious in French. Like, yeah, I think the whole trailer, which is better in French. So, like, I, I would recommend watching the Super Mario Brothers movie French trailer. It, it's it's kind of awesome. Um, the English one, eh? I'll I'll probably watch this movie. It it looks fine. Uh, last thing we kind of have on the news list here is um, there's a Dwarf Fortress trailer in the editing room right now. That's it. <laughs> I like that. Editing. I've been waiting for that for a long time. They're they're editing a Dwarf Fortress trailer. That's nice. I'm starting to like be genuinely convinced it's gonna be out this year. When? Eh. But I'm I'm getting impatient with it, and I'm like, maybe I should just try it anyway. And... I mean, I can help. <laughs> Whatever it's worth. Imagine if um, you knew someone just that plays the game. Oh yeah, what? I wonder who. Weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I could get you set up with um. Uh, you know, DF hack and uh, get, get, get you set up with text will be text so you can see multiple Z levels and get you set up with uh, uh, Vettelinger's t- tile set. But the problem is, like, you'd get all that stuff set up and play it, and then it'll be out in a month and a half or something. <laughs> yeah, that's why I keep waiting, but I'm just getting impatient. I don't know, like, watching people play, and then I want to play. It watching sounds cool. People, you mean me? <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else play Dwarf Fortress? <laughs> yeah, actually. Really? I guess it's like just me and Sal, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's who um, I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a fun game, but I, I would wait. The, the learning curve will be a lot softer. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm impatient. I want it right now. Right now. Calm down, Veronica Salt. <laughs> Because, no, Daddy, I want it now. Um, I think that's pretty much everything for news, uh, unless there's something that I've missed. So I think I'm going to take us to the end part of this show, which is some people's favorite part of this show, uh, which is uh, where we tell people where they can find our stuff and who we are. So I'm going to let our guest take the floor, and uh, this is your final opportunity to reintroduce yourself and tell people where they can find you and the content that you create on the Internet. Oh, wow. All right. So, so you can find me everywhere as Faloin, F-A-H-L-O-I-N. Uh, so it mainly is Twitch. 
So twitch.tv slash Falloin. And you can find me on Twitter at Falloin. And you can find my podcast at ActiveCast. Uh, it's on all platforms in YouTube and Spotify. I think that's pretty much it. And Jess? Uh, well, I'm well, Jess, and you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Discord as well, Jess. Sometimes there's an underscore. I'm inconsistent, but somebody has my name. And I'm blind. You can find me at B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L on almost all platforms. And aside from that, if you want to find more episodes of this podcast, halcyonfrequency.com. If you uh, don't find this podcast in places where organic podcasts are harvested from the podcast trees, please let me know and I will make it appear there. Um, I think we should show up pretty much everywhere. If the place that you happen to listen to podcasts allows you to leave it a review, please do that. And even if you don't listen to it on iTunes iTunes reviews are like the actual best thing you can do to support podcasts. Like, and it's like pulling teeth to get them. So if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, I, I even if I don't know who you are, I will be thanking the high heavens for those iTunes reviews. Uh, I think we're a five-star podcast, but frankly, whatever works at this point. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if, if you want to ask us questions about the podcast, you can do that on the Halcyon Frequency Discord, which can be found via our website, halcyonfrequency.com. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next Sunday. Until next week, don't touch that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency, signing off. That was a power down. <laughs>